Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, celebrating 20 years of bringing the outdoors to Colorado radio, here's Terry Wickstrom. Good morning in this not very Christmas-like weather. I mean, we're going to be in the 50s through Christmas, it looks like. You know, looked like we were starting the ice fishing season early. It is going on in the mountains, but down here on the Front Range, it kind of has been pushed back. We're going to cover a lot of the fishing in the second hour of the show today. We're going to have Nate Zielinski will give us an update, and Austin Parr will join us, and we'll take you around the region and talk both open water and ice fishing conditions, what's going on. Also in the second hour, we're going to give some shooting tips. Uh, Colorado Clays is going to come on and talk about common mistakes people make when they practice, so we'll cover that in the first uh, hour today. We're going to talk to Parks and Wildlife about their canine division. That's going to be pretty neat. And we're also going to be starting to talk... The next, uh, from now until the middle of January, about the International Sportsman's Exposition, which, you know, I've hosted the tank there for over two decades. And we are going to be giving away tickets to that starting today. In fact, everybody that's on today's show will be appearing at the ISE show. So we're going to uh, be bringing that up a lot. And you want to follow us on Facebook at Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Because we're going to give you tips on how you can win some tickets over the next few weeks to go to the ISC show. And also we're going to be giving away a gear bag that's worth over $375. And anybody who wins tickets on the show is going to go into the drawing for that gear bag. So we're going to have a lot going on. Let's go right to the phones right now. And speaking of ISE... And some of the people that are going to be there, if you've followed us on Facebook, you would have seen a post that uh, the, the folks from Casking were going to be on today. And with them is going to be a very special guest. First, I'd like to introduce Al Norker. Of course, he's been on the show many times. Al's a personal friend. I've known him for many years. Good morning, Al. Hey, Terry. Good morning, sir. How are you? You know, I'm doing great. It's uh, beautiful to live in the Rockies. You know, I want snow. I want to go ice fishing. But hard to complain when we get 50-degree days and there's open water here. Oh, I know. There's so much going on. But, you know, the fishing and the tailwaters, the fly fishing the tailwaters is awesome. You know, there certainly is some mountain ice fishing going on. And like you said, still some open water possibilities. Here we are almost to uh, Christmas. So uh, it's a sportsman's outdoor dream right now in Colorado. Oh, it really is. There's so much going on. You have a special guest, a very special guest that you brought on with you. And we're going to talk about his involvement with your company, Cast King. And then we're going to talk about... uh, his involvement at the International International Sportsman's Exposition. Maybe before, just before you introduce him, tell people what Cast King is briefly. Sure. Well, Cast King is a, uh, a fishing company that is one of the fastest growing uh, in the entire fishing industry. Uh, we do things a little bit different that uh, we go direct to market, direct to the consumer through e-commerce. So you won't find our products in traditional retail stores. Uh, but by doing this, we're able to offer extremely high-quality gear, but at incredible prices. So it's a little bit different. And if you're like me, Terry, you know, I spend, uh, in fact, this Christmas season, I've bought a lot of my Christmas gifts um, on e-commerce, whether through Amazon or other sites. And I think a lot of consumers are being, you know, very used to doing that now. They're very accustomed to that, very comfortable with that. And and that's the business model that we've uh, that we've taken. It's very successful. I've been around fishing for, as you know, a long time. But it's an exciting opportunity for me to design and develop products that uh, 
the average guy can afford, but it's going to be gear that people like uh, Mr. Brett Chapman uh, will be using uh, in professional fishing. I mean, this is really high-quality gear. Everything from conventional uh, to fly fishing, all the tools and accessories. Uh, we have literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of items available to the consumer today, um, all either direct on our own website, uh, casking.com, or uh, through Amazon. Now, We'll bring Brett up. I'll have you introduce him. And I want to talk to Brett both about his involvement with Casking, why he chose to start using your equipment, and then what his role is going to be at the International Sportsman's Exposition. So why don't you introduce Brett? Absolutely. So it's it's really my pleasure to uh, welcome Brent Chapman to the Cast King team, and uh, I think a lot of people will really enjoy the time that he'll spend with them at the ISC show this year. Uh, Brett Chapman has been around professional bass fishing for almost 20 years. Uh, I think he's qualified for about 18 Bassmaster Classics. He was a 2012 uh, Angler of the Year for the Bassmaster Elite Series. Uh, Brett is literally one of the top uh, professional bass fishermen in the country, and we are so proud to have him on Team Cast King this year, and he will be joining us at the Denver ISE Show. Now, I know Denver isn't exactly a hotbed for bass fishing, but there's a lot of guys around this area here. Uh, that certainly follow professional bass fishing. And this is a unique opportunity uh, to rub shoulders with and, and hear and talk about um, bass fishing techniques that will really work well in this area as well. And so Brent's going to spend a lot of time with us. He's going to be uh, doing a clinic with me Friday night at the ISC show where we're going to talk about technique-specific rods and how they can improve uh, your performance on the water. And then on Saturday, this is going to be really fun, Brent will be teamed up with Clay Roberts, who is also on Team Cast King, and they'll be competing in the uh, a competition which pits the uh, conventional casting uh, applications against fly casters. So uh, Clay Roberts is uh, a world-renowned fly caster, a master fly caster, and, of course, Brett Chapman from the conventional side. So Team Cast King looks to be really strong at the ISC show in that contest this year. Well, good morning, Brent. Morning, guys. Uh, it's funny hearing you guys talk about the weather. I'm looking out the window, and here in Kansas City, we've got this uh, spring-like weather as well, so it's hard to imagine it's December, but uh, that makes for some good fishing. Well, right now, I could take my boat down to, um, I think we can still put boats on horse tooth right now, this weekend yet. It hasn't closed the boat ramps, and the smallmouth bass are on fire there. And Pueblo, a lake south of us, stays open year-round, yet I can find ice fishing starting from about a few weeks ago, going through probably till April. So we really get a two-tiered system here, Brent. But I know Al talked about your accomplishments. Anybody who's followed professional bass fishing is more than aware of what you've done in your name and the the name you've made for yourself. Uh, first of all, I want to talk to you about um, why casking, other than Al's scintillating personality. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, exactly. I've worked with Al, uh, you know, for quite some time through my career, and, and uh, you know, Al, Al went to casking, and then uh, you know, I, I met Al, and, and he introduced me to uh, to the casking brand, and, and I was just floored. And, and I know. Uh, Al takes pride in, in what he does and he's very, uh, you know, into, uh, quality and, and that's what, uh, what got my attention. You know, I need something quality and top notch that I can use to make a living at, but what, what appeals to me too is it's at an, at an, at an affordable price for the consumer. So it's, you know, it's a win-win on both sides and, 
uh, you know, I, I have kids and I have fans that, uh, you know, want to get out there and, you know, these young, young guys that are out doing this thing. And, and I mean, it's a, you know, quality and affordable price is what, uh, really has gotten my attention uh, with, with uh, the Casking brand. Well, you know, Brent, I couldn't echo your sentiments more in my many, many decades that I've been in the outdoor industry, both as a writer at tournament fishing, I've done television and the radio. Um, one of my mantras was always, even though I've had many good sponsors over the years, was to try to use the equipment that the average angler could afford to go out and buy, because that's how we're going to recruit people into the outdoors, by making it affordable and accessible. I mean, I could get all the $500 reels and $1,000 rods I want from my sponsors, but people aren't going to go out and buy those, and I can catch fish with other ones, and Cast King's a great example of that. No, you're exactly right, and I think that's one of the things that that you know may turn people away from a certain hobby or passion when when they start you know pricing things, and and people can do that, and that's what I think that's what's so exciting about fishing, and you know you guys were talking about me as a bass fisherman, bass fishing is how I make my living, but I I as a I I'm a I'm an outdoorsman, I love to fish and hunt, and and uh, believe it or not, here we are neighbors, and I've. I fished a little bit in Colorado. We took some vacations out there, but you know, I, I need to get out there and, and uh, experience some of this uh, this ice fishing out there. I've got a friend that's moved out, and he's been doing it. And uh, you know, I know you guys have got some great uh, some smallmouth fishing out there, and then I know uh, some of the other lakes have uh, you know a lot of your your pike and walleye and and the steelhead fishing. You know, all the different types of fishing that are out there. So, we have uh, some pretty good largemouth too in some of our big yeah. reservoirs. So you tell you figure out a time to get out here, and we'll get you set up on the water. We'll make well, it happen. I'm, I'm coming out right after Christmas, but uh, I'm going to have some skis attached to the bottom of my feet. Well, right but, uh, after Christmas, I'm going to be fishing off the beach <laughs> in Florida. So <laughs> hey, that, that, that sounds pretty. Hey, make sure you get some of the new Casking saltwater reels too, because uh, just got a hold of a couple of those. And you're know, talking about diversity. I mean. I can't wait to get down and, and put those to work because I was very impressed with the with the quality of those as well. So uh, they've got it for everything when it comes to fishing. Now, Brent, I know you're going to be, I believe you're going to be competing in the Major League Fishing uh, events this year. Is that right? Yes. Uh, you know, uh, the people that follow the sport, uh, there, there was a big shakeup uh, last fall in, in the bass fishing world. Uh, there, there's 80 of us. Uh, the top anglers that uh, are starting the new Bass Pro Tour that's part of Major League Fishing, and uh, we're really excited about that. Uh, we kick off, I believe it's the last week of January down at uh, Lake Toho in Florida, so I'll be headed uh, down there as well, and, and really excited. It's, it's kind of a different format of what people are used to as far as you know, bass fishing goes. No more, no more weigh-ins, no more lugging fish around in our live wells. Uh, you know, We're going to be weighing them on on a spot they're going to be a leaderboard where people can see it in real time instead of you know people just coming in and seeing the five best fish people are actually going to see you know some guys i mean catch a hundred bass a day you're going to see a whole lot different in difference in weights and uh i'm really excited it's something our sports needed and uh you know with the technology that's out there it's going to be right there front and center for people to follow uh you know, every bit of our sport now. Well, my, my personal television programs aired on the Cronkie stations for over a decade. Yep. <laughs> and so I'm very familiar with that group. And then I, I actually was part of the contributing part of In Fisherman back many, many decades ago, which is now part of that group too. So there's quite a group that's come together. Before I run out of time here, though, we're doing a new thing at IC. I know you're going to be there with Cast King. And, uh, 
Al mentioned you're going to be doing a seminar on getting the right technique rod for the, the right rod for the right technique. What we're doing this year is I host the tank every year. We've added what's called the experts corner. And instead of having seating where the pro gets up on the tank and does the lure presentations and talks, we're still going to have that. But next to it, we're going to have what's called the experts corner. And we've got different experts that will spend an hour or so in that kind of a little booth, but there's no seating, people will walk up and talk to you. It's a brand new thing we're trying this year, so they'll be able to come up and they'll know you're going to be there. We've got it scheduled. And so you're going to be actually one of our, you know, you're going to be appearing, I believe, Friday. Uh, Friday, we're, we're deeming Friday kind of our advanced techniques day. We're giving seminars all through the week and we're giving tank presentations. But on Friday, even the guys in the tank are going to give a different presentation that's a little more advanced for the more uh, upscale fishermen that maybe wants a tip beyond the basics. And so you're going to be in that. Tell us kind of what you're going to talk to people about during that hour when you're in that booth. Tell about rods and techniques. Yeah, you know, uh, the, the big thing, you know, and, that, and that's what I've been working with Al about is uh, the technique-specific rods. I mean, you know, if you go online, you'll notice casking has quite the diversity of uh, reels and rods. And, uh, you know, people always ask, uh, you know, the, the question of, hey, I just need, you know, I want to get one one bait casting outfit to bass fish with. And I'm like, that's like saying I, you, you're going to get one golf club to go play golf. I mean, Amen. You, you, know, you, can, you can't do it. You know I mean? Fishing, fishing is the same way, uh, you know, with casting with the uh, speed demon uh, rods, we've come up with uh, the technique specific rods. There's 15 rods in the line right now. Uh, Al and I have been working this fall. We're going to be adding to that uh, soon. We're adding four more rods, but uh you know, if anybody's been to, to, a bat, to a Bass Pro or Cabela's, they've seen that, uh, you know, there's a thousands of different baits and techniques out there, and that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to bring the rods that, that, that I use and what other people can use to, to get the most out of a particular technique. Well, I couldn't and, agree uh, more. If, if people looked in your garage or mine or Al's, they'd see hundreds of rods and reels. And obviously, we don't fish with everyone every time, but there's going to be techniques. You know, you can get started with some basic equipment, but as you advance, you're going to want to do these techniques. You see persons like yourself and myself on television showing these techniques, and you need the right equipment to do that. It doesn't mean you have to spend an arm and leg, but you've got to understand what's going to be necessary. So you're going to be there, I understand, and you're going to kind of talk through what techniques are interested and help them what type of rod they would need for that. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. You know, there's certain rods that need, you know, or certain techniques that need certain ap- actions to be applicable for a certain situation. And same thing with reels. I mean, gear ratios and reels, that's huge. And even, you know, your line setup. So all that is very, very important. And, uh, you know, that's what we're going to be talking about and hopefully educating the uh, the uh, the fans and the anglers to, uh, you know, when they're out there on the water, it'll make them uh, better fishermen as well. Al, um, I don't have the schedule in front of me, but it is online at International Sportsman's Exposition Denver. But do you remember what time Brent is going to be in the Experts Corner? I believe it's around 5 o'clock Friday night, Terry. Okay, and I, I know it's Friday, and so we're going to have a lot of good people. And by the way, Brent, this is something, I don't know how much you're going to be at the show overall, but on Saturday, we're actually getting the high school bass club is going to be at the experts' Great. table. and we're I mean, Sunday. We're dedicating Sunday to families and kids getting them into fishing, and we're going to talk about the youth organizations for bass fishing. Yeah, the, the, the youth organizations are just, unreal how much that's exploded in our sport you know the high school teams now my son's part of one of those here in kansas city 
Uh, you got the college teams now. Uh, you know, we've got our, our K-State Wildcats up the road. I've got several good friends there. I mean, uh, you know, I, I joke. I'm like, I wish they'd have had this stuff when I was a kid. But it's really opened the door for uh, the youth to really get their foot into bass fishing sooner and to uh, get out there and compete and have some success. I mean, not everybody's a, you know, a, a football player or soccer player or whatever. But this is, you know, gives kids that are into fishing an opportunity to, to get out there and have some success as well. Yeah, I used to get it was I had to play hooky to go fishing. Now they get credit for it. So <laughs> exactly, so, but it is. It's, it's an exciting time for for the youth and, and families. And you know, I mean, I I owe my parents the the biggest thanks in the world. We were just an outdoors family, camping and all that. And one day I was we were camping and I saw a a weigh-in of a, of a bass club tournament. And I, when I saw that, I was hooked. And uh, 30 years later, here we are. I'm out of time, Brent, but um, it's really going to look forward to having you at the International Sportsman's Exposition. Make sure you come over and introduce yourself to myself and Karen. We'll be at the tank. And we're going to give away some tickets later today so people can get in to talk to you. So we've got to run now. But, Al, thank you great. so much for Cast King bringing Brent. And I think it's going to be a great addition to what we're doing at ISE this year. Thank you, guys. All right, Terry. Have a great day. You bet. That's Brent Chapman and Al from El Norker from Cast King. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, we're going to talk... Uh, canines with Parks and Wildlife right here on Terry Wicks from Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. We're going to go right to the phones. Joining us from Colorado Parks and Wildlife is Brock McArdle. And we're going to talk about a different subject, one many of you probably aren't familiar with. It's one we covered a couple of years ago. We're actually going to revisit it in the next two segments with a couple of gentlemen who are involved. And Brock, you're a um, district wildlife manager, and a lot of people equate that to being a game warden. It has much more involvement than that. But you're also one of two people right now that's part of the canine unit. Good morning. Hey, Terry. Good morning. Yeah, you're right. Um, I'm a district wildlife manager in the Red Feather Lakes area. And uh, you are, I think you're part of the pilot program. We're going to talk to the original part of the pilot program in the next segment. And his dog is trained a little different than yours. But this was started about two and a half years ago. And I think the idea, you had to get it's not funded by Parks and Wildlife. You had to get some, some other funding to kick it off. And it, from what I can see, it's progressing really well. And hopefully it'll become a mainstay. But tell us a little bit about your dog and what you do. Yeah, Terry. So I have a black lab. His name's Cash. Uh, we kind of joke and call him the dog in black, like Johnny Cash, the man in black. But uh, he is a, a dog that's trained to detect illegal wildlife, the wildlife, uh, presence of wildlife in general. Uh, just like a police drug dog would be trained to find illegal drugs, he's trained to find wildlife and wildlife parks. Uh, and he also does uh, endangered species searches as well. So he's trained to find boreal toads and blackfoot ferrets. Uh, when we go out with our biologists looking for these species out in the, in the environment where they may be found, he's trained to sniff those out. So, in other words, these dogs are there to supplement. I mean, like, let's take uh, yours. Um, yours has the specialty of the... Uh, uh, endangered species. I want to dwell on that a little bit. We'll talk a little bit more about the other things, both with you and with um, 
Phil when he comes on after you. But if you are going to go out and try to, you know, part of Parks and Wildlife's mandate from the government is to have to manage endangered species and habitat. You'd have it would take tremendous man hours and and resources to f- locate some of these if the dogs weren't used, wouldn't it? Yeah, you're right, and it does. Uh, for border toad surveys, for example, they use uh, several uh, people on the ground, just looking, observing, uh, walking slowly, trying to find this small amphibian. Uh, where the thought is, with the dog, if we can get him honed in on the smell of the actual toad, then he can potentially find this toad from quite a distance away. Uh, so just makes us more um, uh, efficient in locating the animals, potentially. Well, and while there is a cost involved, and we're going to talk about the other things the dog does too, there is a cost involved. Hopefully the program, once it's this pilot continues and more dogs are added, the cost saving and other resources will will prove itself out. And not only will it be uh, extra funding from donations right like it is right now or from corporations that want to sponsor, but we'll see we'll see that maybe we can help better use budget money within Parks and Wildlife also. But what are a few other things that your dog in particular, your dog is one that actually is very friendly around people and you get to take him and show him. Is that right? I do, yeah. He, uh, I joke around and, and tell people, Cash is a lover, not a fighter. He'll lick you to death. Uh, <laughs> he loves everybody, and and to use his strength to our advantage, I've, I take Cash out, and we do a lot of different outreach and education programs within the community, uh, teaching the public about wildlife, what's wildlife management, what's parks and wildlife, what's my job as a district wildlife manager. Now, how does Cash the dog help me do do my job duties? So it's been a really key uh, component in just getting people in general excited about wildlife and wildlife management and what we're trying to do here in Colorado. Well, I think another thing that it does, too, you said the outreach. You know, a lot of times you say, well, we're going to try to do some outreach and reach this segment of the public. Well, they may not be hunters or fishermen or even campers, and it may be difficult, but there's a lot of dog lovers that all of a sudden they may come to an event or stop and talk to you or be somewhere where you're, you've got cash. And now he, you, can, you can broach different subjects with those people, like you said, not only what you do, but what great outdoor opportunities we have in Colorado and how you protect those and how you take care of them. And now you start drawing those people into the conversation of how do you, you not only use our resources but help support the resources in the state. No, you're, you're exactly right, Terry. Uh, a lot of the groups that I'm, do, I'm doing programs with, they aren't necessarily hunting and fishing groups. In fact, a lot of them aren't. They're rotary clubs. Uh, they could be uh, an outside group, a youth group that's doing just a camping-type trip or a state park, uh, campground program, stuff like that, to where uh, they're interested in the dog because they like dogs and interested in cash because he has a unique job. But I can use him as a way to get into some of these different groups and expose them to wildlife, hunting, fishing, why that is important to wildlife management. Now, uh, and talk about Cash as well. And Cash was the number two dog. We're going to talk to um, Phil with the, the who had the first dog, and that dog has a little different personality and used in a little different ways. And we'll let Phil tell us about that. But they both do wildlife detection, and that's got to save you some man hours. But let's initially, how was Cash funded? How did you get? Uh, that sounds kind of funny, doesn't it? Cash funded, but how was? <laughs> right, right. How did you know? I and I'm sure Phil will tell us how the pilot got started and who helped mm-hmm. get his dog. But how who helped get the program for the second dog? Yeah, so uh, Cash was actually donated to us, Cash the dog, donated to Parks and Wildlife by Bear Point Kennels. 
they breed the champion uh, pointing labs out of the Larkspur area. So they donated him as a puppy to us free of charge. That was a big cost saver. And then on top of that, to cover all the training costs for myself and the dog, a lot of different uh, organizations, hunting and fishing related organizations in the state donated bits and pieces of the of the price of the cost to do that and to come up with the funding to train both of us. And then also just some just people, general public, we have a GoFundMe account set up as well uh, for our Parks and Wildlife Canines and a lot of different generous donors have donated whatever they could donate uh, to the program through that GoFundMe account. Well, it does cost money not only to acquire the dogs, to train them, and to uh, maintain the dogs. You've got to feed them, and, and there's different ways of handling the dogs when you're not with them. I know both dogs have different personalities, and Phil will talk to us about his dog. But uh, your dog kind of goes home with you. It's it's almost like a, a part of the family, I'll bet. Yeah, he is. Uh, if you saw him at home with me, you'd think that's our personal pet uh for sure he does everything your a pet dog would do and then some you know he has a job duty as well he works with me every day uh, he's sitting with me in the truck right now as we speak actually so uh but yeah he's super pet people friendly uh if somebody rings the doorbell at the house he he wags his tail and is wanting to say hi doesn't even bark at him but um so that's just his personality but he, he's been just a great asset to make us more efficient as wildlife officers you know investigating poaching situations whether it be that or looking for endangered species uh, or just getting out there and outreaching different uh segments of the public as well no it sounds like a great relationship with you and the dog too i imagine you develop quite a bond don't you you we do yeah he wherever i go he wants to go so that way he He's my shadow, uh, but yeah, he, and he's fun to have around. He's good company for me as well, but um, yeah, he, he's uh, definitely one of a kind. Well, we're going to talk to Phil here in just a couple minutes. We'll expand more on some of the other duties that both dogs have, but I think the program to me sounds fantastic. It gets, I, I love the part that your dog is used, uh, you know, the both dogs are used for wildlife detection, but your dog is used a lot for outreach where you can take them, get people involved. That's going to help bring sponsors and, and donations in to the program, and we'll talk more about that as we go also. But it also, you know, it helps, and I'm sure Phil's going to expound on this, is you're doing wildlife investigations and things. It really it speeds things up, makes your resources more valuable, and hopefully this program is going to get to the point where it'll have proved itself to the point where it becomes self-sustaining because of the resources it saves. We're going to move on here to Phil in just a minute, uh, Brock, but any last comment before we go? Uh, you know, I just want to tell you thank you for putting us on the show today and spreading the word of all the, the good that these dogs have been doing in the short time frame that we've had them. Like I say, it's been uh, a few years, and they've already done a lot of different duties and have outreached and, and touched a lot of different people. So thank you very much for doing that for us today. Well, Brock, thank you for coming on. I think it's a great program. We're going to continue talking about this program with another one of the dog handlers right after this time out on 104.3 The Fan. Me crying in the You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We're going right back to the phones, and we're going to talk to the gentleman who actually was involved uh, in the beginning of the pilot program to for the canine uh, uh, unit at uh, Colorado Parks and Wildlife, and that's um, Phil Grulay. Did I get that right, Phil? 
Yep, you sure did. No, I, I've been practicing it all during the commercial. So, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Now, Phil, you and I have talked before years ago when this program was started, and your dog's name is Cy, I believe. And tell us how the program started and how you were able to uh, attain Cy, and, and then we'll talk a little bit about his duties. They're a little different. Okay. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, you know, it, it's probably been four years, I think, uh, since I since I got him. And, and really, one night I was just thinking, man, it, it you know, Wildlife officers have a, a choice to take their canine depending on their supervisor, you know, and, and, but I really wanted to use that as an asset for CPW. And, you know, and I was like, well, maybe if I train this dog personally or whatnot, you know, then if something happens and my dog accidentally bites somebody, you know, I'm, I'm liable for that. And so, um, I started kind of digging into our policies and found out that, um, that one of our, um, uh, officers had, had done a canine policy back in 1985 and that was really kind of my my end to this because uh, we had a policy on it and so um long story short um i ended up doing a white paper uh for my supervisor and, and our regional manager and uh and you know they they kind of gave me the blessing of you know if it's not gonna cost us money and and you have the time to do it let's see what we can do and i actually contacted uh Brett Axton, uh, who is the president of Safari Club International, um, and uh, kind of met with him and their board and explained, you know, my vision of, of what a canine program would look like within CPW and, and what the uses uh, would be for them. And um, Safari Club International was, was on board with it, and they actually donated uh, the money to start our program. Um, and we started, you know, we started with the one dog. And... Um, you know, with Cy, he does the, the odor detection, but he also does um, kind of the suspect apprehension, handler protection side of that as well. Um, so he's not he's not the warm, cuddly, fuzzy one like Cash is, uh, <laughs> but um, definitely gets out there and does his job. And, uh, yeah, so that's kind of, kind of long story short, it's kind of how we got things in motion to, to start doing, um, you know, this pilot program. And, and we're uh, slowly finding different methods and ways to, acquire funding to get more dogs. Now, Cy, um, Cash goes out and does a lot of public outreach, and uh, as as Brock would say, Cash would lick you to death, um, and he loves interacting with people, but he also does game detection. They both do that. We didn't expound on that a lot. Why don't you tell us the game detection part that both Cash and Cy do? Okay, yeah. Now, um, so both of them are certified through the National Fish Canine Association, and um, both have the same odors uh, on them. So they have, uh, let me see, bear, mountain lion, pronghorn, deer, moose, um, up and game, waterfowl, and fish. And so, um, you know, each dog can't, they, they can't differentiate between animals, but it's just the presence of, of wildlife odor. And, uh, you know, we use those when uh, we're dealing with uh, trespasses or we're dealing with uh, an animal that was shot, you know, in a specific area and, and ran, you know, maybe a shot in private and ran to public or something, and or maybe it ran to a different private property. Uh, we also use them on our checkpoints. I know uh, some of our hunters have ran into our checkpoints, and, and we use them on those, and it helps to expedite the process uh, tremendously because um, I know one scenario that, that was very time-consuming was, um, you know, folks coming in with covered trailers, and, you know, whether they had animals or not, they would have to uncover the trailer and pull things out so that we can inspect them 
uh, to make sure they didn't have any wildlife on board. And and now when they come through the checkpoints, you know, they just call the dog. We run over there. Uh, we ran around, you know, we run around the vehicle and the trailer. Don't have to uncover it. Um, and if there's no presence of odor, then uh, that hunter gets to go on down the road. So a process that used to take 45 minutes to an hour, um, you know, now takes less than five minutes, and we can get folks um, on their way, and we can be more proficient as as an agency in those checkpoints. Well, and I'm sure it saves a lot of resources for you too. And you have you can have a checkpoint with less people. And the whole idea is that are you know these dogs aren't only what they can do, but what what value do they bring when they do it? And that's a great one. You know, you talked about too. You know, the game detection. You can track back if uh, somebody drags a kill out of an area that they weren't supposed to be in. The dog can take you back to that or follow a blood trail to find an animal maybe that's been poached or hasn't been down. Or There's lots of things in addition to the check stations. But let's talk a little bit about your dog, too. And it's a little more part of the job of a, a district wildlife manager is law enforcement. And Cy really is a law enforcement dog. He really helps with protection and uh detection and searches doesn't he yep, no definitely and, and um all the hunters that i've been in contact with have been very receptive to the idea of a of a canine um because uh he really does kind of watch my six for me because you know i go into a camp and he automatically stands up i have a canine insert within my truck and uh the window's usually down he has a, a metal fan right there so he can't jump through the window or anything um you know, as soon as I get out of the vehicle, he's up and he's looking and he's seeing, you know, where am I, who else is out there. And if there's anybody else out there, he, you know, he definitely lets his presence known. And, uh, and it's a good, uh, it's a good segue into, you know, what I'm trying to do with the canine program with the hunters. And, and a lot of them are very receptive to this because, um, you know, even though CPW didn't pay for Cy, a lot of these hunters are, are saying, you know, hey, you know, every warden needs a, needs a canine like that. That's awesome. You know, that's awesome to have a tool like that, to have somebody, you know, watching your six for you out in the field. And, you know, a lot of hunters even made the statement of, you know, if you guys purchase the dog, at least we can see some of the stuff that uh, our, you know, sportsman dollars are going towards. And, you know, and I think that's really hard for the public sometimes is, um, you know, we are doing great things with sportsman dollars, but sometimes it's just it's stuff that you can't physically see sometimes. And I think that's that's hard for them to grasp. But uh, I think this is a program that, you know, they the sportsmen have definitely um, they, they definitely would support. And, and you know, you also, um, Cy is going to save you from, you know, in today's world, there's dangers in law enforcement, and you can send him in to search a house, not only for the presence of game, but if there's somebody hiding in there, right? So he, along with the suspect apprehension and um, the handler protection, he does do building searches, and so if we're going into a high-risk uh, scenario, um, you know, in, in the past, we'd, you know, stack officers, and we'd go in and we can clear a house. Um, you know, now we can pop open that front door and, and give the canine announcement. And, um, and looking at some of the statistics, there's been about an 80% give up rate um, on, on suspects who are hiding within a building uh, when they do give that canine announcement. Because, you know, that's, that's one thing growing up, you know, you never want to be bitten by a dog. And, and so I think it definitely uh, makes people think twice before uh, trying to ambush us or trying to hide from us or anything is that, is that that's a tool that we can use to, you know, make sure that everybody goes home at night. 
Uh, that's a very great tool. We're running out of time. Real quick, I know that there's another dog coming on, and I believe you're going to use that in bear mitigation. Real quick, tell us about that, and then tell us how people can donate to the program. Okay, definitely. Yeah, so we actually uh, got funding from the Ben Roethlisberger Foundation uh, to uh, purchase a third dog, and so we are going to use that third dog to uh, do some hard hazing um, or hard releases uh, with bears in order to try to um, decrease the amount of conflict that bears have with humans. Uh, Washington State does a similar program, and so we're going to really dive in with them and and try to figure out um, how it's going to be beneficial to Colorado. I think one aspect of it is that maybe if we use dogs uh, along with uh, less lethals and uh, hard releases with bears that, you know, maybe that's going to decrease the amount of conflicts and therefore, you know, we won't have to put hands on bears. We won't have to euthanize the bears um, if we can change their behavior just in that instance. Um, so that's, that's one way we're going to use this third dog. And, you know, I'm, I'm trying to find a specialized area for each dog to go down so that we can be more successful as a team and more successful as an agency. Now, if, um, there, so, now if there's a corporation or an individual out there, how can they help fund this program Tell while it's still in the pilot stage? Yeah, no, definitely. So um, you can visit our webpage. We do have uh, a donation section for our webpage for specifically the canine program. Um, and that's definitely one way. I think you can search through it on GoFundMe uh, just under CPW Canine, um, and they can make donations through that. Um, we are looking at um, maybe trying to make some uh, gear for people to buy, some CPW Canine gear. We do have a, a logo that was drawn up, uh, and uh, we might be going forward with some of that, so that might be something to look for later on down the down the road on our webpage. All right. We're out of time, but it's a great, great program. Hopefully people will get online and find out more about it and continued success. I think it's I think it's awesome they're getting the canines involved. Thank you, Phil. Yep, thank you. You bet. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest motorcycle and ATV dealer, and the best one, too. And speaking of that, on the line with us from Sun is Mark Kite. Good morning, Mark. Hey, good morning, Terry. It's uh, Christmas is coming, my friend. It is coming. I'll tell you what, we're, we're excited. There's a lot of stuff going on, a lot of, lot of shopping, and I've been doing a little shopping myself, and well, don't, it's right around the corner. Don't tell Karen, but I'm not done yet, so I'm in a bind. So. <laughs> well, trust me, that's usually me, too. I'm, yeah. I'm never done until about, oh, Christmas Eve. Yeah, I think on the way home Christmas Eve, that's when Christmas shopping ends, right? Because by right. that time, you've either got it or it's too late. Yeah, I think I think that's a guy thing, though. Yeah, you know, I, I, I really do. Karen's usually done, like, by 4th of July or something, you know. But, hey, um, there's lots of great Christmas opportunities at Sun. And one of the things I wanted to ask you about is, what age, you know, if say you've got a, a youth in, in the family and they want to get into trail riding or ATVs or even uh, small motorcycles, what sizes and what's available and what kind of age groups do you service like that? Yeah, that's a great question, you know. So so what I would tell you is is that, you know, we start kids off, you know, on the motorcycle side of things, Terry, as young as like four, believe it or not, which is really crazy. So we've got, you know, the Honda line of CRF50s, and we actually even have a training wheel set up for them. So we even do them with training wheels, and we can, you know, adjust the throttle so they'll, they'll just barely go, which is really nice. But, uh, you know, it's crazy. We have so many youth 
ATVs, side-by-sides, go-karts, motorcycles. Um, it's just crazy. We do um, a full line this year, and, and we have been for many years, but, but we've got a full line this year of uh, hammerhead go-karts, and that, that's a super, super cool gift idea as well. You know, pretty inexpensive, really, as far as that stuff goes, and, you know, we have a full line of those as well. Well, that's awesome because, you know, a lot of times you're trying to think, well, they're getting past that, you know, something more than just the everyday toy. And I want to get them started in something they can grow into as they become an adult. Now, maybe they'll stick with it. Maybe they won't. But it gives you can expose them to something that they may use as an activity for the rest of their life. Well, it is, you know, and I, I, you know, I always love to see the kids in here, you know, uh, with the motorcycle and ATV and side-by-side stuff, you know, with all the video game stuff and all that, you know, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing by any means. I actually play a few little video games myself, but, but it's, you know, it, it's good to get these kids outside and doing, you know, all the stuff, riding ATVs and just enjoying the outdoors like, like a lot of us do. And, uh, you know, there's, there's for sure opportunities for them to do that. Well, you know, when I was younger, and I actually, um, my first motorcycles were Hondas. And before I was got those, we didn't have the kids' motorcycles and the go-karts. So every kid was in the garage trying to buy parts to build those little scooter frames and to build little go-kart frames that we could run around in our neighborhoods with. And that's how we got introduced to the sport. But now you've got professionally built, and it's going to be much safer equipment, and you've got all the safety accessories, the helmets and everything. So you really can get them into it and be practical and safe at the same time. Yeah, that's such a great point. You know, I look back on those days, too, and, you know, the stuff we were building out of our garages and stuff, you know, and nowadays people be like, you know, you're really going to ride that thing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, nowadays, you know, the safety's there. Matter of fact, you know, we, uh, we're one of the biggest Polaris dealers in the United States, and a lot of the Polaris stuff comes with helmets, you know. I mean, so, you know, even the OEMs are, are, are really, really focused on keeping these kids safe and, you know, doing that stuff. And virtually everything that we do, you know, from, from a youth standpoint has throttle limit controls and stuff like that so you know we can tone them way down and the technology is just uh it's just awesome as far as keeping them safe well what about let's talk about the older kids in the family too because christmas is coming for them i bet between the 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 motorcycles the atvs and the accessories you got plenty of gift ideas yeah, you name it. I'll tell you what, coming coming from the, the little guys all the way up, you know, to, to, I guess, the big kids, you know, like you and I. And uh, we do a lot of stuff there, too. You know, we've got uh, a lot of ATVs, side-by-sides. We're, we're, um, we're by far and away the biggest side-by-side dealer in Colorado. We have, you know, a full line of Honda and Kawasaki, uh, Can-Am, Polaris, side-by-sides. And, and you know, we do, a, we do a really good job here, and not trying to toot our own horn, we do a really good job with the custom-build stuff. So, you know, if you want to see something that's really cool and unique, and just kind of the latest and greatest and what's in the industry and the side-by-side world we have it here, you know, which is which is pretty cool just to come kick tires and check it out. Well, tell them how they will find you, Mark, and what they, you know, because why go to the mall when you can come there and you've got clothing and accessories, you've got the Harley side, you've got, you know, outdoor like gun scabbards and rod carriers and you've got snow plows and just about everything you want. How do they find you? Yeah, absolutely. So we're located in Thornton. You just take I-25 to the 84th Avenue exit, two blocks to Pearls street and head east on or uh, excuse me head south or north on pearl excuse me north on pearl to 89th so we're about 89th and pearl or you can always check us out online uh at sunent.com um and yeah we'd love to see you guys come up all right my friend uh, i'll be stopping by soon maybe i can find something for karen yeah there you go absolutely you have a good christmas you mark Thanks. you too merry christmas merry christmas mark that's mark kite what a great guy great people there i gotta tell you that hey I've been telling you that we're going to give away some tickets to ISE. By the way, everybody on today's show 
is going to be at the International Sportsman's Exposition. We're going to have we're going to have um, uh, Nate, who's coming on next. Nate Zolinski is going to be there. We're going to have the folks from Cast King will be there. We're going to have, uh, of course, uh, Colorado Clays will be on later. Uh, Austin Parr uh, is going to be on. Uh, Hassan, who you just heard us talking to, they'll be there at the ISE show. And there was also um, a very accomplished professional bass fisherman that we had on in the first segment that's going to be not only at the show, but he's going to be part of our expert corner that we're starting new this year, where he will actually be in that booth answering questions for one of the hours at the expert corner where you can just walk up and talk to him. The idea is not to give a sit-down presentation at the expert's corner, but for them to be available for you to walk up and talk kind of one-on-one. For the first two people that text the name of that Bass Pro that was on earlier in the show, I've got um, I've got a oh, first First one, the text, we're going to give away a pair with the name of that Bass Pro, and then we're going to give away another pair later with a different question. So the first one, the text, the name of that Bass Pro uh, to, to a 303-713-1043 is going to get two tickets to ISE. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll be joined by Nate Zielinski on 104.3 The Fan.